They don't do it now. <laughs> so today's reading is from Revelation and it is chapter 16. The whole chapter? Yeah. yeah. Then I heard a loud voice from the temple saying to the seven angels, Go pour out the seven bowls of God's wrath on the earth. The first angel went and poured out his bowl on the land. And ugly and painful sores broke out on the people who had the mark of the beast and worshipped his image. The second angel poured out his bowl on the sea and it turned into blood like that of a dead man and every living thing in the sea died. The third angel poured out his bowl on the rivers and springs of water and they became blood. Then I heard the angel in charge of the waters say, You are just in these judgments, you who are ah and who were the Holy One, because you have so judged, for they have shed the blood of your saints and prophets, and you have given them blood to drink as they deserve. And I heard the altar respond, Yes, Lord God Almighty, true and just are your judgments. The fourth angel poured out his bowl on the sun, and the sun was given power to scorch people with fire. They were seared by the intense heat, and they cursed the name of God who had control over these plagues, but they refused to repent and glorify him. The fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast and his kingdom was plunged into darkness. Men gnawed their tongues in agony and cursed the God of heaven because of their pains and their sores, but they refused to repent of what they had done. The sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great river Euphrates and its water was dried up to prepare the way for the kings from the east. Then I saw three evil spirits that looked like frogs. They came out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. They are spirits of demons performing miraculous signs, and they go out to the kings of the whole world to gather them for the battle on the great day of God Almighty. Behold, I come like a thief. Blessed is he who stays awake and keeps his clothes with him so that he may not go naked and be shamefully exposed. Then they gathered the kings together to the place that in Hebrew is called Armageddon. The seventh angel poured out his bowl into the air and out of the temple came a loud voice from the throne saying, It is done. Then there came flashes of lightning, rumblings, peals of thunder at a severe earthquake. No earthquake like it has ever occurred since man has been on earth. So tremendous was the quake. The great city split into three parts and the cities of the nations collapsed. God remembered Babylon the great and gave her the cup filled with the wine of the fury of his wrath. Every island fled away and the mountains could not be found. From the sky, huge hailstones of about a hundred pounds each fell upon men and they cursed God on account of the plague of hail because the plague was so terrible. this there we go a question for you to engage with this morning is it going to get better is it going to get better there was a no here a yes okay let's add some 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 details why do you think it's not going to get better okay before it gets better okay so you're talking about what we would call the tribulation in the Bible. There's, there's, there's troubles coming. Uh, but there was a yes. Why, why do you think it's going to get better? What, what, what do you think? What's going to happen? 
Okay, so some troubles, but the best is yet to come. The saints persevering. Okay, anything else? What else? What else? The future. The world itself as it is? No? Yep. So we've, we've got some... Yep. So... Uh, Yeah, the picture of a new heavens and a new earth, however that, whatever that looks like. Uh, God dwelling with his people forever. Okay. So what about heaven? Are we looking forward to that? Is it going to be good in heaven? Yeah, so... Heaven's not the end of the world. Oh, okay. So no one wants to delve into some theology here. So obviously the picture of the ultimate end is that we are in God's presence in his new creation, whether that be on the new earth or whether what we call that um, heaven, we will be in God's presence forever. Um, but yes, there is a wonderful future for us that we're looking forward to. Is it going to get better by our efforts? Is this world going to get better if we work really hard? What do you think? Yep. So we can, God can work through us yes. and we can, we can put our heart into God's work now and that will be a blessing to God's kingdom. So God's kingdom can break into parts of, of people's lives or into this world now. Yes. Um, but Yep, so we've got a part to play. <coughs> sure. Is... Is the world going to get better by our human efforts? Yeah. No. Yeah. 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 The, the, the reality we're just reminded there of the curse of sin that's on, on the land and upon people's hearts and how, yeah, um, it, it won't just get better by some human effort. We need, we need God to work to make things new. I think it's a summary of what people are saying. Yeah, yeah, the world is subject to decay. Absolutely. Well, yes, we can see God's goodness breaking through at times. Can anyone testify to God's goodness breaking through into our lives or our situation? Okay, yes, good. So, yes, I think we can all testify to something of God's goodness. Yeah, genuine love, genuine service, Christian service. We're thankful for the blessing it is to know God and how He works through us at times. And the reality is, is, is I feel I've got nothing to offer in my own strength. If it's my words and my actions, I can flap my arms around all I want. And, and really, I've got nothing to offer. But, but when I'm close to God, His Spirit works through me and then, and then God can work and He does work. And so, it's just good to remember that, uh, that God's Spirit is at work in us. So there is a, a background to the passages that we've been reading. 
and we touched on some of those last week. Revelation 12 to 14, it really is a picture of evil prevailing, of evil having a dominance, Satan deceiving and tricking many. We see that many take on the mark of the beast. They take on that number 666 that you've probably read about in the Bible before. To take on that number means that you take allegiance to the kingdom of this world that is governed by the beast, ultimately that is Satan. And then we see that everything that the evil promotes is against God's. In these chapters, we see false worship, the, the terrible uh, idolatry that takes place as statues are put forth. We see evil power and authority come forth. We see worldly powers that are, are growing under this, and uh, the imagery of Babylon has been growing already, the, the idea of a city that is powerful in worldly strength, but that will never last. And we see deception in many ways. There's all these miraculous signs that take place in these chapters from evil. Satan working and he deceives terrible, um, he does terrible things to deceive people through miracles. And we see terrible words spoken against God. Uh, blasphemy. And so it's a dark passage when we see this tribulation as it seems to get worse. And we can say, yes, Satan is strong. Yes, his deception is a real reality. His lies, his influence, his worldly power, however, it is nothing in comparison to God's. Satan and his kingdom is going to be completely squashed. And God is going to reign. And we see this picture of multitudes of people. Many, many are tricks and they take on the mark of the beast. And we say, no, why would you take on that number on your foreheads? However, whatever that means of that 666, they take it on. They claim their allegiance to, to evil, to Satan. And so in claiming that allegiance, they turn away from God's. And what happens if you reject God's? If you reject God's, then you will face ultimately his judgment that is clear in our passage if you turn away but there is a calling in the midst of all this evil and as this this evil kingdom rises up as satan rules over things revelation 13:10 says this calls for patient endurance and faithfulness on the part of god's people there is a call in these chapters for God's people to patiently endure as it gets hard, to endure the persecution, to endure the lies and the deception, to endure in truth, to keep being faithful, to keep trusting in God, not giving in to this strong current that everyone else is giving into. There's this strong movement away from God. And as soon as people seem to step into it and take that mark of the beast, they just get washed away down the current. But God's people are called to stand strong, even when everyone else is getting washed away in this current against God. And the victory for God's people has already been assured. We saw that last week. 
How does the victory come? It comes through the blood of the Lamb, through Jesus Christ. His sacrificial death. People testifying to the truth of Jesus, and they endure. And then we get to the end of chapter 14, and we see an imagery of a harvest. A harvest that takes place. The great harvest across all the worlds. The first angel is given a sickle and he goes out and he harvests the earth for the crops that have been produced. That's an imagery of God's people being gathered up safely by God into His presence. But there's a second one that comes. A sickle that comes and harvests the whole earth. Those who have taken on the mark of the beast. Those who have rejected God And the imagery is of a grape harvest. And it's taken to the great winepress of God's wrath. And the imagery we see is these people brought into this winepress and the blood just flows for kilometers, hundreds of kilometers. God's judgment has come in its fullness as we see that imagery. And it is a reminder for us to fear the greatness of God. Turn away from God for a long time. Continue to say no to His love and mercy. And His judgment will come. There is a reminder that we should have a fear of God in us. Because God is powerful. And when His judgment comes, it will be incredible upon the earth. And that's what chapter 16 was all about. God's wrath being poured out and so to to symbolize that my i guess my little reveal this week is a illustration of what's going to take place and we've been reading about it there are things that are filled up what are they bowls and before previously we saw that there was some special incense that was burnt Uh, And it was the prayers of God's people. And remember the prayers of God's people went up before God. That was in chapter 8, like a smoke. It was a fragrant offering before God. And the imagery we have is seven bowls that are given to seven angels, full of God's wrath. And what happens? They're poured out. That's right. Poured out. Is any left behind? No, it is all poured out upon the earth. Not a single drop left. Pretty strong imagery, isn't it? We've seen in the imagery of the Bible, we've seen a quarter of judgments, a third, and now it's come in its fullness. There is nothing left. God's wrath poured upon the earth. Would anyone want to stand before God's wrath? Surely not. It is a strong imagery and it signifies that the end has come. It has come in its fullness. And before the bowls are even poured out, as they're announced, we see praise in heaven. God is praised for what He is doing. This is good news that God is praised in heaven in His throne in the glory of heaven because God's justice is coming.
God's justice has come as the bowls are poured out. It's a reminder for us, as we said at the start, to take to heart the reality that God's judgment is coming, to live in light of what God is going to do. Because God in His perfection has heard the prayers of God's people and He's going to pour out His wrath. So as we see in chapter 15, just before our reading, I'll read these words. Chapter 15, verses 7 to 8. Then one of the four living creatures gave to the seven angels seven golden bowls filled with the wrath of God, who lives forever and ever. And the temple was filled with smoke from the glory of God and from His power. And no one could enter the temple until the seven plagues of the seven angels were completed. God's fullness is coming. God has declared it. He is worshipped in heaven. And then we get to chapter 16. The wrath of God is being poured out. And what do we see? The first ball... The bowl is poured upon the earth. And what happens across all the earth? Sores, exactly. Painful sores come on every single person who have the mark of the beast, who have taken on that, that number, whatever it represents, 666. And so they are in pain day and night with these painful sores. And straight away we move on to the second bowl of God's wrath, which is poured out. And what's the imagery there? Anyone got it? I'll give you a test. What is it? What's that? Yeah. So the, the God's wrath comes on the sea and the whole of the sea, every single part turns to blood and every living thing in the sea dies. Wow. That's pretty intense. The third bowl is then poured out. The third bowl is poured out on what? Yeah, all the fresh water. And they turn to blood. A terrible image of things that people used to have health and now they've got sores all over them. It used to be life in the sea and now it's all dead. And now even fresh water that we need to survive has become blood and of good to nothing. All these are terrible images of God bringing judgment upon the land and upon everything. And yet it only impacts on those that have turned away and rejected God. And we see why. We are told why in, chapter, in verse 5. Then I heard the angel in charge of the waters say, You are just in your judgments, O Holy One. You who are and who were. Notice how it doesn't say anymore and, is, and will come? Because he has come. This is it. It is done now. In, in this pouring out, it's finished. So he's being praised now because it's all done in its completeness. It's all being revealed now. Because for they have shed the blood of your holy people and your prophets. And you have given them blood to drink as they deserve. We are seeing here a picture of justice. What has happened in the past? God's people have been murdered. Their blood has been spilt. 
They were innocent, and yet the world turned against God's prophets, God's people. The persecution came, and innocent life was shed. And so now, God's justice has come. And so those who have done this are getting their reward for their labors. God is acting to set everything right. In one hand, this is a terrible image to think that people are going to suffer in such a way. But at the other hand, this is good news because it is God bringing justice. God, the God of justice, has heard those prayers. He has seen what has taken place and He has acted to make everything right. Deep down, we long for a better world. We long for a place where everything is set right. We long for a better future. We long for a place where there's no pain, no suffering, no injustice, no innocent blood being shed. And so as God works, He is making everything perfect. And the sins of the past have to be paid for. There needs to be a justice done and it is taking place in these scenes. So we as God's people should rejoice in the good justice of God as it takes place. And then the fourth bowl comes. Does anyone know what was in the fourth bowl? The sun. What happens to the sun? Gets hot, very hot. The people start to get burnt from the sun. The intensity of the sun is like never it's been before and it starts to burn people. And they suffer and they, the people start to get quite angry with God as they, they suffer in their pain. And then the fifth bowl comes. The fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast how quickly his throne is gone and his kingdom has plunged into darkness. People gnawed their tongues in agony and they cursed the God of heaven because of their pains and their sores. But they refused to repent of what they had done. Straight away we see the end of the kingdom of Satan with the pouring out of this bowl of wrath. Satan thought he could rule, but he couldn't taken away, plunged into darkness, so short-lived is any power of this world that is not from God. And do you notice here that the people recognize that it's God bringing these plagues? They recognize it's God and they start cursing Him. They say, oh, how dare you, God? How dare you bring this on me? And even though they have the opportunity, even at this time, to repent, to say sorry to God, they don't. And it shows the human condition. When we've turned away from God, when we think we know what is best, our hard hearts need softening towards God. And so many refuse to repent, and that's why I've highlighted on the board there. Five bowls, doesn't look very good. What about the sixth bowl? That's a fascinating one. The sixth bowl is poured out. And what happens? Yeah, the Euphrates River dries up. The Euphrates River was a huge body of water that in the Middle East, it was this place of protection. It would stop armies from marching against armies. 
And so with that dried up, it's actually enabling all the powers of the earth to come together and to fight against God. God's deliberately almost calling them to come forth. Bring their best in battle if they so choose to fight against God. And the, the battle is even given that term, Armageddon. That's an interesting title. Maybe you've heard, have you heard of Armageddon before? This is where it comes from. The people of evil coming together to fight against God. Are they going to be successful? No, they're wasting their time. Evil is at work, of course, in Armageddon. And there's that fascinating imagery of evil. Evil coming out of the dragon, the beast, and the false prophet. There's already been the, the, this, this unholy trinity of evil. And now the evil spirits hop out like frogs. And they go uh, to try to have one final influence as this battle of Armageddon comes. Some people say the name Armageddon actually depicts where the location is. Uh, there, there is a similar Hebrew word, but I think they're, they're pulling at short straws there. The reality is, is that there is a battle to come. But of course, God's going to win. And then fascinating, in the midst of all this pouring out of wrath, we hear the voice of Jesus Christ calling out. These words from Jesus. He says in verse 15, Look, I come like a thief. Blessed is the one who stays awake and remains clothed so as not to go naked and be shamefully exposed. Jesus, in the midst of all that's going on, calls out to God's people that he is coming now. I come like a thief. That's been a promise in the Bible already. And now Jesus has come. He is coming. He's promised it. And the, the reminder for God's people at these final moments is to stand strong in their faith, to stay awake to Jesus, to not fall asleep and get caught up in the, the tide of this world, but to stay awake and to keep those robes of righteousness from Christ on. Because if you get caught up with this world, you're going to get caught up with sin. And remember what happened to Adam? What happened to Adam when he got exposed? His sin got exposed before God. He was shown to be naked and he was exposed. And so too, our sin will be exposed if we decide to go down that path. Jesus is returning. So there's words of promise in the midst of all that's taking place. And we get to the seventh bowl. It's been building up. The seventh bowl, the last bowl of all these things in Revelation. We see this bowl being poured out. And where is it poured out? Into the air. And it's declared it is done. God's wrath has been poured out in its fullness. God has come in His completeness with His judgments. And there is a great earthquake like there has never been before. All the cities of the nations collapse. They become ruins. And what about that great capital of power, Babylon? What happened to it? It's ripped down and torn into three. God remembered Babylon the great and gave her the cup filled with the wine of the fury of his wrath. No longer is this picture 
of this great city powerful at all, it is completely destroyed. And then huge hailstones come down, giant hailstones to come and inflict people with even more pain. And so we see a picture that God's wrath has come. And the next couple of chapters are going to tell us about what's happening with Armageddon and about how God is going to win. So, the whole point of chapter 16 is to remember that God's justice will be served. He is going to come and set everything right. God's justice is coming. And what does it mean for us? What does it mean for us today? We can get this image of God's power and His greatness, but what does it mean? What does it mean for you and me? We've already seen that there's a call to persevere, even when others don't, to keep our loyalty with who? With Jesus. Because if we shift our loyalty off Jesus and onto the world, then really we see that we're lifting our loyalty onto a kingdom that's governed by Satan. And if we do that, we will face God's judgments. And that kingdom will not last. It will face judgments. But when we keep our loyalty with Jesus, then we are assured of a welcome and a reception into God's future where it is going to be perfect. Our image of heaven that we read about, God's perfection moving forward. Even if our life is on the line, even if we have to give up our life for our faith, the call is for us to give it up for the sake of Jesus Christ. It's also a reminder that we should stand up for what God values here and now in our current day. While we can, to stand up for God's justice. Worldly success, anyone? In light of what we've just read, does anyone want worldly success? Do you want to be successful and well-known in this world? Well, how do people become successful in our current age? Tell me. Power. How do they get power? Oh, okay, yeah, power and wealth. Greed. Yep. How are people considered to be successful today? Mm. Okay. Yeah, I, I admit that there is some grayness in some of the things. You could be the most famous actor and be really rich and still serve in God's kingdom. But I think it would be a hard journey to go down. <laughs> you, could, you could be a king of a nation that's, that's full of evil people and try to turn it around. We see that in the Old Testament, some kings who, who try to turn it around. It is possible. But the reality is, 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 I guess the question is really, what's our heart's desire about? Are we actually trying to become successful in the eyes of this world? Because if we are, we're missing the point of who God is and His judgment that is to come. Because we can think that it's better to please our neighbours, our town, our friends to please our parents even, who have an earthly view, than it is to please God. We can get caught up on the, the money side of things or the having a name for ourselves through that career that's all about us. 
And all that stuff, as we saw, all the stuff of this world, ultimately it's like it feeds in to that which Satan is going to rule and govern and it's going to be judged. And if it's not of God, it is not going to last. God's judgment is coming. And I think we need to be mindful and, and, and check what we're doing and what we're aiming for in life. Because what should our energy and our focus be on? What should the focus of our actions and our daily lives, what should the, the, the attention be on? Yeah, it, it should be on, on Jesus, on seeking God. As long as we have a calling from God to do that, because I think that we can put our hand to something that's got nothing to do with God and it can be a, a terrible road to go down, particularly when it's all just washed away. What's that? Yeah, well, I think it, it, it's your motivation to start with and what you're doing with it as you, as you succeed. Yeah, if you call it success. What is success? And I think that's the key question here. I think we need to re-examine what success is. Absolutely. Yeah, our success. And I think, as I was saying, it comes back to a calling. We need to, well, God, what do you want me to put my hands to? Where would you like me to be involved in this world? Because I think a lot of times we just put our hand to the plow, so to say. We, we get involved in something. And then we sort of say, well, I'm doing this now, God, you have to bless it. And we don't say, well, actually, my whole life is in your hands, God, where do you want me to be? And, and yes, of course, God will, will lead us through a journey of life where he will provide for us if we're in his will. Yeah. What is to gain if a man gains the whole world and yet forfeits his soul? That's, that's the key question, I guess, behind all this. And we see God's wrath being poured out against ungodliness. It's, it is going to happen. It's going to be heavy. But if we remain faithful, we will endure through it. Let's pray. Our Father, we give you the glory this morning. Lord, we thank you that, that you are a holy God, that you are perfect, that you're a God of justice. And as hard as it is, Lord, to hear of of people suffering, Lord, we desire your will to be done and for your justice to be realized so that everything is set right. Help us, Lord, to be wise with what you give us now, the time put before us, the, the talents you've given us. Help us to honor you and to glorify you with what we have. And we thank you for what you've given us now in Jesus' name. Amen. What is done?